good morning. Good to be with you. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I am humbled and grateful and excited to be here with you this morning. Dr. Moeller, Miss Mary, thank you so much for having myself and Tara with us uh, here uh, the last 24 hours. We've had a delightful time and uh, it's good to see friends and colleagues and people that I've interacted with and grew up with. Dr. Wilsey, good to see you, my friend. And uh, I can't tell you how much it encourages my heart just to see you, students, to see you loving the Lord, seeing you being faithful, seeing you walk with him, seeing you pursue him and give your life to him and what he wants to do in this world and in your life. That's an encouragement to me. And I say often that when we think about the Southern Baptist Convention and all the different kinds of things that go on, the thing that gives me hope, the things that gives me joy is just watching the people go and be faithful. So appreciate you and uh, look forward to this opportunity to be together with you this morning. Matthew chapter 10, let's pick up in verse number 16, a very simple passage of scripture this morning. Jesus has just called the 12 disciples. And then he's about to send them out and to preach and to teach and to proclaim the kingdom itself. And as he sends them out, he speaks to them about the troubles that they will face in the work of ministry that God is calling them to do. So pick up with me this morning, if you will, verse number 16. Listen to what Jesus says. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves but beware of men, they'll deliver you up to councils, they'll scourge you in the synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. It's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will rise up against brother to death, and a father his child Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecuted you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is good for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be known. Let's pray. Our great God in heaven this morning, we, your people, your children, your servants, your redeemed, we bow before you acknowledging that you are our king, the great God of glory, the great God of mercy. Lord, our desire is to be shaped. Our desire is to be formed. Our desire, Lord, is to increasingly more with every passing day be conformed to the precious image of your Son. Lord, our desire is to please you. Our desire is to go into this world of darkness and brokenness and shine the light of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior and Redeemer. 
And so, Father, I thank you for institutions like Southern Seminary and Boyce College. I thank you for the faculty and the administration. I thank you for Dr. Moeller. I thank you for these students who are all here in this place, giving ourselves to that end. And I pray, Lord, your blessings would be on us in this time. Lord, would you do this morning what I can't do? By your spirit and by your word, would you move in our hearts? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? Would you strengthen us and make us the people, Lord, that you desire for us to be. Lord, we love you. We desire to please you. And to that end, Lord, I pray that you'd use this time to strengthen your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What if your faith will cost you something? Truth be told, for most of us, it really, really probably never has cost us a whole lot. I'm grateful that we get to exercise our faith, we get to proclaim it, we get to practice it, and we might occasionally be called a bad name or something like that, but for the most part, most of us, it's never actually cost us something. But everything seems to be changing around us. Things that seemed unimaginable 10 years ago are now just normal. They're not just normal, they're pushed onto our children, they're pushed onto us, and increasingly more the pressures mount on us and the reality that we now face in the calling that God's placed on our life is that the culture we live in, called by God to be faithful to proclaim Christ in it, the culture we live in is increasingly more hostile to us and our faith. I didn't set out to be an academic. This is not what I sought to do with my life. I came to faith when I was 18 years old. I'd been a knucklehead most of my life, the drugs, the alcohol, the arrests, and all of those types of things. At the age of 18 years old, Christ got a hold of my life, and I fell deeply and instantly in love with him. And I knew the night that I came to faith in Christ that I was called to preach, and so I began. I began sharing the gospel with anybody around me that would listen to me. And as I shared the gospel with people, I heard people raise questions and objections and criticisms. And I didn't know how to answer those questions and criticisms, and so I began reading in apologetics, picking up every book in apologetics and philosophy that I could find and starting to really work through those things. And all that to say, somehow, someway in that work, my life took this very academic turn and I end up going to school for what felt like forever, and here we are today. I never set out to be a philosopher, certainly never set out to be a president, but that's what the Lord did. Here's, I say all that to say this, I've noticed in my lifetime, I know Dr. Moeller mentioned my youth a minute ago, but even in my lifetime, I've noticed a pretty substantial shift. When I started doing work in apologetics, say 25 years ago, I can remember that the underlying accusation constantly brought to us was that you and I are irrational people for believing what we believe. Whether they were talking about evidence for the resurrection, evidence for miracles, evidence for the existence of God, evidence for the reliability of scripture, it really didn't matter what it was. They would argue that you and I are just foolish people for believing what we believe because it was contrary to the evidence. And so apologists like me, guess what we did? We marshaled evidence. And today there's this storehouse of really strong, substantial arguments and evidence that could be marshaled to defend the faith. But in large, 
church, all of that work was done because the accusation against us was that you and I are irrational for believing what we believe. And now, today, they will still make that accusation against us, but the undergirding accusation against us now, in almost any way you hear it, is no longer simply that we're irrational for believing what we believe. Now the accusation is that you and I are bad people for believing what we believe. Now they won't say it quite that way. Here's how they'll say it. They'll say things like, how dare you tell somebody what they can or cannot do with their body? How dare you tell somebody who they can or cannot marry? How dare you tell somebody what gender they actually are? And all of those types of critiques and rebukes against us, they're essentially saying that you and I are bad people. Here's the deal, man. Whether we like it or not, whether we wish it were true or not, the culture that we are called to witness to is increasingly more hostile. And the question we've got to ask is, how do we stand faithfully in a culture that is constantly snarling at us? Jesus calls the disciples in Matthew chapter 10. He sends them out, and as he sends them out, he warns them from verse 16 to 26, the passage that I read to you this morning, he warns them about the very hostilities that they will face. And in so doing, he offers them instruction on how to face it. And so with that in mind, I just simply look at what Jesus said to the disciples this morning as informative for us as well on how we live faithfully for Christ in a world that is increasingly more hostile to us. Let me say four quick things to us this morning from the text. The first one is, it's just a comment in passing, but it's there and I don't want to skip over it. Four words of instruction. Number one, be a testimony and a witness. Jesus makes it clear in verse number 18 that you're gonna be brought before the governors and the kings for his sake, but now watch the purpose of it that he identifies in the verse. You'll be brought before the governors and the kings and trouble will be in these moments, but in those moments that we stand before those governors, those kings, or whoever it may be that is snarling at us, Jesus says that we're brought there as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. In other words, what God is seeking to accomplish even in these hard moments, even in these moments where we're rejected, even in these moments where we're despised is that there to those people that despise us, we are to be a witness and a testimony to the goodness, to the sweetness, and to the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're brought before the governors, when we're brought before the kings, we must, in fact, remember that God has placed us there by his providential hand, even in those moments of difficulty, to bear witness to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and to make him known. So again, it's quick and it's in passing, but I don't want to skip over it. I want you to see it. Brought before governors, brought before kings, brought into these hostile moments, and in those hostile moments, we bear testimony to the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number one, be a testimony. But number two, here's where we get down to the nitty gritty of what Jesus is talking about to the disciples in this passage. Be a testimony, but second thing that Jesus seems to be saying to the disciples that I want to say to you is, be ready to take your lumps. Be ready to take your lumps for Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you're brought before governors, you're brought before kings, verse 17, you're scourged in the synagogues, 
Verse 21, the unthinkable then happens to us. It's not just hostility that the world may throw at us. Listen to me, my dear friends. Those hostilities may even come from people in your life that you never thought would turn against you and hate you. Verse 21, a brother will deliver up brother to death. You mean family can turn on you? You betcha. People that you never thought would hate you, despise you, reject you, critique you. All of a sudden, simply because you're trying to be faithful to Jesus, you're not even being provocative or anything else like that. You're just being faithful to Jesus. And because you, listen to this, stand where he tells us to stand and proclaim what he gave us to proclaim, because of that faithfulness, they will turn. Even family, brother will deliver up brother. And a father, a father? A father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. My dear friends, what we have to ready ourselves for is the hostility, the vitriol, and the scorn that those who are uninterested in obeying Jesus Christ will throw our direction. And listen, it's interesting, and it's super important for us to see the significance of what Jesus is pointing to in verse 21 by mentioning these familial types of rejections. These will be the hardest for you, and they'll be the hardest for me. That it's one thing for somebody over there, the crazy person in our mind, the wacko person in our mind, they hate us, they critique us. It's easy in those moments, or it's easier in those moments to not let that seep in. But when it's your mother, or when it's your father, or when it's your brother, or when it's your family that scorn you, well, those are the moments when we will be inclined to compromise the most and what Jesus is saying to the disciples, I now say to you, if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus Christ, put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants and be ready to stand where he told you to stand, affirm what he told you to affirm and be who he called you to be and take your lumps for Christ. Verse 22, you will be hated by all. For my sake, Luke chapter six, Luke records his version of the Beatitudes. Matthew gives us this longer list of the Beatitudes. Luke gives us four of the Beatitudes and they're complemented by not just four blessed statements, but four woe statements. And one of the ones that he gives us there is he says, it is blessed is the man who is hated for my sake but woe to the one who is praised by man. We always want that praise, don't we? We want to be affirmed, we want to be esteemed, we certainly don't want to be rejected, but friends, it may cost you something for following Jesus Christ. In my own life, I never thought this would happen. The last eight and a half years of my mother's life, she wanted absolutely nothing to do with me. I'm okay. Christ is enough, but that's hard. Why? Why did she want nothing to do with me? Simply because, in short, standing where he called me to stand and affirming what he called me to affirm, she wanted nothing to do with me those last years of her life. My dear friends, be ready. If you're gonna be faithful to Christ, be ready. Be ready to take your lumps. 
So number one, be a testimony. Number two, be ready to take your lumps. Now, number three, this one balances out the last point. If I were to stop the message with what I just said, be ready to take your lumps. Essentially what I'm saying to you from the text this morning is, there has to be a stiffening of our backbone. There has to be a strengthening of our resolve. If we stop right there, here's what I'm afraid will happen. Because we want to be strong in the Lord and be resolved, if we stop right there, typically what will happen is we'll veer to the side of trying to be so strong and so firm that we just become jerks. But now thirdly, watch this, this balances that out and reminds us not to do that. So yes, be ready to take your lumps, but go back up to verse 16, watch this. Be wise and be kind and harmless. This is the whole point about these animals that Jesus gives us here. Be wise and be harmless and kind. Verse 16, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And I just wanna pause right there and say, well, thank you, Lord, I really appreciate that. Jesus uses the animals to remind us of what this dynamic will be like. We are sheep. You know what's true about sheep? They're harmless. Sheep don't hurt people. Sheep aren't vindictive people. And he sends those harmless people into the midst of wolves. Guess what? Wolves have claws. They have fangs. They have speed. They have power. They have a, a vengeance and a malicious nature to them to devour and to destroy. And Jesus is saying, that's what it's like. I'm sending you harmless ones out into that type of context. How do you do this? Watch what he says, the rest of verse 16. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is interesting. Jesus uses the serpent here. I mean, this is not the character in the Bible that we would have thought Jesus would point to in any type of positive way whatsoever because of the Genesis 3 serpent image in our minds. And yet Jesus notes here a prudence, a wisdom, an ability to navigate situations in a cunning fashion that Jesus is saying to you and me, we've got to have. So in other words, as you face these hostilities, as we make that last point, be ready to take your lumps. That does not mean be cavalier. That does not mean go looking for a fight. No, we're not the people that go looking for a fight. My friends, if you go looking for a fight, prepare yourself to be destroyed. No, we're a people of Ephesians chapter six that just simply put on the whole armor of God and if the fight should come to us, we stand ready. We are wise as serpents. We don't go looking for a fight. We learn to navigate with wisdom with grace, right? In the same way that the serpent slithered into the garden and cunningly crafted that way, we navigate through these situations. Now here's the deal about wisdom. I'm called here to have wisdom and so are you, but the problem is for me and for you is I don't have it and neither do you. Hey, be wise and yet I don't have the wisdom. He's instructing you to have wisdom and yet you don't have it in yourself, but here's the really good news about being a Christian. What you lack, God himself will supply. This is James chapter one, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all freely without finding reproach. That that is to say, it's not like when you ask God for wisdom, I don't know what to do, Lord, guide me, lead me. He doesn't scoff at you and say, you don't know how to do this? No, he pours his wisdom out to us. Be wise as a serpent, and now watch this, harmless as a dove. This is the second creature 
that Jesus uses to describe us. And here again, just like the sheep, the dove is harmless and helpless. So here's the deal. This is what Jesus is saying. Yes, be ready to take your lumps. There has to be a strengthening of our resolve as we face our cultural moment to stand where he told us to stand, affirm what he told us to affirm, and at the same time to do it with great wisdom, kindness, and grace. Whatever it means to be strong in the Lord does not mean be a jerk, right? So be a testimony, number one. Be ready to take your lumps, number two. Be wise and harmless and kind, number three. And then the last thing I wanna show you, verse number 19, as we navigate our moment, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. Be dependent, be dependent. My friend, listen, all of us, I mean, Southern Seminary, it's one of the greatest seminaries on the planet. Not just the Southern Baptist Convention, not just the United States. This faculty, this administration, stellar. It's second to none. And you got five other ones in the SBC that are pretty doggone great too, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> We're gifted. We're privileged to have what we have. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every bit of it. Thank you for every course we've ever taught. Thank you for every book that we've ever read, for every paper, for every, every book we've written. Thank you for every last bit of it. Thank you for every sermon that's been preached. I mean, just think about the army of people that have come through this place and have been trained and have now gone out into the darkness and the thousands upon thousands, the tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of sermons that have been preached from this very institution and all of our entities and how they go out into the darkness. Man, there's education and there's experience and there's knowledge and there's so much. And yet, listen to me. While every last bit of that is valuable to us and to the kingdom, listen, despite all that, our power is in none of that. Our power is in the Spirit of God with us. And you can have whatever education you want, you can write whatever you want, you can, you can be all the things but if the Holy Spirit is not with you in these moments, then my friend, we're not much. Listen to what Jesus says here. When they deliver you up, don't worry about what you should speak. That's what we do, right? We always wanna have it figured out in advance. Well, what do you say if this happens? I mean, as an apologetics and philosophy professor, if I have been asked once in my career, I've been asked a thousand times, what do you say to someone who says X, fill in the blank? And here's the deal, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if it's the problem of evil, yeah, I've done work in the problem of evil, but truth be told, if I talk to 100 people about something related to the problem of evil and the angst it gives to them about God, the truth be told, I would have to actually sit there and talk to every single one of them to hear the nuance and figure out exactly what's going on and then know how to respond. The truth of the matter of it is, we can't decide or figure out in advance exactly how we handle every single situation, but watch what happens now. Verse number 19, when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you'll speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you will speak. Why and how? Here's the lesson, verse 20. It's not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. My dear friend, our power is in the Holy Spirit. 
And that is not an excuse not to study and not to pursue your education. Get every possible thing you can get for so many different reasons. Get every possible thing you can get, every degree, every course, every credential, get it all. They open up doors. God uses these things in massive providential ways. My life is an example of that very thing. So I'm not speaking against that. But what I am doing from the text this morning is just simply reminding all of us that be what you are, have what you have. You are nothing without the Holy Spirit with you in those moments. You remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter one? The go-to passage. You'll receive power not when you finish a degree, not when you get a title, not when you get a bunch of experience. This is the stuff that we, as we grow up in our faith and advance in our degrees and our positions and all those things, we forget these things and we become professional Christians. And we lose sight of that old truth that we once know that if we have Christ and if the Spirit of God is with us and we're filled with Him, there is a power on our lives that is attractive there is a power on our life that is productive. It is the Spirit of God. You receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. So listen, here's the deal to this point. Get everything you can get. Get everything you can get. But whatever you do, don't ever forget. And if you have forgotten today, here and now, remember and go back that what you need more than anything else is just a close, vibrant, loving, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus such that the Spirit of God is on your life. And my dear friend, if you've got that, then you can navigate near about anything. So, how do you live faithfully for Christ in a world that's hostile, snarling even, at our faith? Just remember you're there to be a testimony. Be ready to take your lumps. Stand firm. Be wise. Be harmless and kind. And be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Southern Seminary, Boys College faculty, students, Dr. Moeller, Miss Mary. I'm really, really grateful to have you as my brothers, my sisters, my colleagues. I'm really, really grateful that, for the work that God is doing in and through us. May his mercies be with us. May his mercies be with you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Above everything else, we love you. We desire to please you. So Father, would you please take this feeble attempt on my part this morning just to encourage your people. And God, would you let it do exactly that. Lord, even throughout this day, as they think and as this marinades, Lord, not that they'd remember a message, but they'd remember you yourself. And so, Father, be at work in our lives to conform us to the image of your beautiful Son. We love you and we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.